If we're to see God as our Father, what is that relationship to be like? How can I relate to the eternal God? This is Monday, August 28th, and we're continuing our study on discipleship from these chapters in John's Gospel, chapters 13 to 17. Now, years ago, when I was serving as a youth director at a church here in Miami, the church went through an immense crisis. Because of the indiscretion of a previous pastor, one of the elders of the church had rigged the phone system with a recording device. Over many weeks and months, this device recorded the pastoral conversations of the church's senior pastor. Imagine that, sharing something sensitive with your pastor and later discovering that it had all been recorded. Of course, the pastor resigned from the church and many people were hurt. The church imploded as the church leadership could no longer be trusted. Now, I wish I were making up this story, but I'm not. Let's think about our conversations a little today. This will open our eyes to what is happening in our text for today. Here it is, John chapter 17, verse 1 to 2. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now, what we have in John 17 is the most intimate teaching Jesus ever provided to his disciples. Well, it's really not a teaching at all, at least in a traditional way. It is the prayer of Jesus. So why did Jesus allow the disciples to overhear his prayer? And since he did, was it all for show? Or is this a real glimpse into his relationship with his heavenly Father? Well, here's what I believe. He allowed them to overhear because they could learn from overhearing his prayer that which he would not be able to teach them directly. And also, he didn't pray for them in the sense that his words were, not, were selected for their benefit. He's actually coming before his heavenly Father. Talk about an intimate conversation. So what can we learn from his prayer? Well, first we learn about the communion Jesus had with his Father and about the communion he's opening up for us to have with the Father. Think of how powerful this is. Imagine overhearing a couple speaking of their love for each other. You would be given a window into the way they love each other, the nature of their relationship, and how they open up their hearts to each other. And this is what we hear in Jesus' conversation with the Father, the most intimate kind of communication. Remember, the word here in Greek for Father is the word pater. That's where we get our word Father. But likely, Jesus used the Aramaic word Abba. That's his spoken language. Now, that word communicates an intimacy and the beauty of this father-child bond. I want to return briefly to the tragedy that happened in the church I was serving, where people's private and personal conversations had been recorded and listened to by others. It was such a betrayal of trust that it's difficult to even talk about. Each of us have secret inner lives. We share little of this except with people we are the closest to. 
maybe our pastor or a doctor or counselor or a spouse or child. Jesus is letting us see his most personal conversation, his relationship with his Father. And even then, this kind of sharing, by the way, it can never be forced. The truth is that unless a person lets us into their inner world, we are forever on the outside. There is a veil that we cannot remove. Only they can lower that veil and let us in. Now, Jesus told the disciples that he would do this. He said, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. That's John 15, 15. Now, for each of us, there are three spheres of our lives. There is the public self. This is what we allow everyone to see. It is this public person that the people around you have observed and the person they interact with. But then there's second, the private person. Your spouse, if you're married, sees this person, as do other people that get close to the degree that you allow them to. This is a deeper level of knowledge, and it opens the way for that deeper relationship and communion. But there's also a deeper and third level, and that is your heart. You share this with very few. Even your spouse, if you're married, may not see all of this. You choose who gets to come all the way in. And most people, well, they guard that gate very closely. Now, of course, some of what is in our heart is bound to leak out. People can see beyond the public persona to your heart to some extent. It's true. But they cannot see it all. And you see, what Jesus is doing is he is allowing the disciples, the ones he has allowed into the private space, to now see into his heart. It's always a great privilege and honor to be invited there for, by anyone, for a person to share the depth of their heart with us. Why? Well, it's the place of our highest vulnerability. This is why we guard our hearts so carefully and we rarely let anyone get past our defenses. As a pastor, this is one of the greatest joys, to hear people's stories and to come to know, even in a small way, people's hearts. Now, as we look at Jesus's prayer, it's really astounding that he allows us to see his heart in this way. I believe he is doing this because he is leading us to the Father. He wants us to come to know his Father in this way ourselves. You see, that's really the gospel, that Jesus came to make the Father known. He's done this, of course, in his death on the cross. At his death, the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. Jesus created this access through his body so that we might have fellowship with the living God, a deep fellowship with the one that we also can call Father. Let's pray together. I'm not sure, Father, that we see all that we've been given in Jesus. Thank you for making a way for us to come to you. We want to know you, to know your ways. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.